This is The Guardian. Today, the Quran is being burned in Sweden. But who's fanning the flames? Finding your perfect home was hard. But thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. To burn a holy book in Sweden, you have to actually apply for a permit. It's very orderly. You tell the police what you plan to do, where and when, pay a fee, about £25, and then have at it. The Bible, the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, if that's your thing. You can just set it alight. It's a pretty awful thing to do. It can be disrespectful, offensive. But in Sweden, it's legal. There's a whole neat system for it. Very scandy. But the world is changing. And the Sweden, you might imagine, a harmonious haven of liberal politics that stands apart from the world's conflicts, that was officially neutral even in World War II, has also transformed. Its population is more diverse than it's ever been. Its politics, more right-wing. Its region, more dangerous. And the things that Swedes once took for granted, like the right to burn a holy book, can ignite a firestorm that spills way beyond Sweden's borders, and which, so far, nobody knows how to put out. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus. How an unholy protest in Stockholm has Sweden feeling the heat. Miranda Bryant, you're The Guardian's Nordic correspondent, and Sweden, where you live, has recently found itself in the middle of a storm. Tell me about it. Yeah, in recent weeks, there have been multiple Quran burnings in Sweden, one outside a Stockholm mosque and also one outside um, the Swedish parliament. Understandably, it's created a lot of outrage, as well as having widespread repercussions for Sweden's international image and security. It was part of a protest stage at the start of the Muslim holiday of Eid al-Adha. Hundreds watched as two men ripped up the text, wiped their shoes with it, and draped bacon on its pages before setting it to light. I remember people trying to do this and doing it, burning Qurans throughout the 2000s when the kind of war on terror was at its peak. I didn't realise it was still such a big issue. What do we know about the people behind these desecrations? The people responsible are two Iraqi men who are Swedish citizens. Iraqi men? Yeah. One is called Salwan Momaka, and he's carried out the protests with Salwan Najem and Together, they've carried out at least three Quran actions in Sweden. Have Salwan Momika and Salwan Najem explained why they're doing this? So Momika has said that he 
wants to protest against the whole institution of Islam and for the Quran to be banned. Okay. He has been described in reporting as having a leadership role in a Christian militia group that was part of a Shia Muslim umbrella organization with close ties to Iran. Hmm. But he has denied that he was a militia leader, saying he was a political party leader and describes himself as an atheist. He's also expressed sympathies for the Sweden Democrats, the um, far-right party supporting Sweden's government. That is a confusing mix of beliefs to have been part of a pro-Iran militia to be a Christian and an atheist and also supposedly sympathetic to Sweden's far-right party. Yeah, it's a it's quite a combination. A Swedish paper actually recently tracked down all the people who had applied for permits to burn religious books and among those were Christians and Muslims and atheists and a wide range of, of motivations. I would have associated burning the Quran usually with white nationalism, with racist elements of Europe's far right. Are they involved in this at all? Yeah, so probably the best known person for burning Qurans is uh, Rasmus Paladin, who is a right-wing extremist. Welcome to uh, this protest today. I am Rasmus Paladin, and I'm going to start by making an address in English. He's committed Quran burnings that have resulted in violent riots both in 2020 and 2022 in Sweden. But this man wants me to go on and burn the Quran immediately. And I think that is a completely reasonable request. Miranda, is it legal for these two guys and for others to burn a Quran, to desecrate it in some other way in public in Sweden? Yes, as mad as it sounds, yes. The laws around itrande frihet, which means freedom of expression, are exceptionally liberal in Sweden. And it protects the right to express yourself freely in a very uncompromising way. Generally, it's something that Swedes talk about with a sense of pride. But in recent weeks, it's become a huge issue of public debate. On the one hand, it's an element of the Swedish constitution that's celebrated that supporters believe should be protected at any cost. And others say that freedom of expression is being protected for everyone but Muslims. But does the Swedish law ban acts of free expression that verge into being hate crimes or persecution or incitement of violence? Like, is there a line in Sweden that you can cross? And... Why isn't burning a Quran over that line? Well, there are laws guarding against Hetzmut Volk Group, which is incitement against an ethnic group. And those in favour of Quran burning being banned want to see this being used to prevent it from happening. Mm. But so far, the freedom of expression involved in that is seen as more important legally than inciting hatred against an ethnic group. Iman Omer, you're a Swedish woman and you're a Muslim. There are obviously many different experiences of what it's like to be a Muslim in Sweden, a unique one for every Muslim person there. But I want to know about your experience. What's it like to live in Stockholm and to be a practicing Muslim? So when I first came to Sweden, 
I was seven years old when I came from Ethiopia. At school, I was always surrounded by Muslims, so I felt like I fit in. I didn't feel like the odd one out. So I felt that I could practice my religion exactly the way that suits me. However, the older I got, and when I changed schools where there were predominantly white classmates, that's when I felt like the odd one out. And the way that everything has been progressing in Sweden when it comes to hate crimes against Islam, and I would say around every Western country, it has been way harder for me to practice my religion, if I'm being truly honest. Mm. Misinformation leads to a lot of people being ignorant regarding the Muslim religion. I would see myself as a very intelligent woman in the most humblest of ways. So when I studied Islam, it's the most peaceful religion I could ever think of. So when the media is trying to project a certain view of Islam that is not correct, then that leads to a lot of prejudice that is very unnecessary. Do you remember when you first heard that people were planning to burn the Quran in Sweden? And what did you think when you heard that? It was an extremely unfortunate thing to hear because Sweden has always been a country that advocates for freedom, freedom in many aspects of society. The Freedom of Expression Act is an example of how Sweden implements these ideas that you can think and feel what you want. I think it's a good concept, but as it stands today, when it came out, I think it's a leaking bucket. When you can't distinguish like the very fine line between freedom of expression and incitement against a very large group of people is when we have a problem. So the Quran burning was a perfect example of this, if I'm completely honest. The fact that Sweden can grant the right to burn the Quran outside of not only Stockholm's biggest mosque, but during our biggest holidays is very incomprehensible. And do you have any sense of where the Swedish government should draw the line between the right of people like Salawan Momika to make a political point, to express themselves, even offensively, and then the, the feelings of Swedish people when it comes to their religion and to the things that they hold really dear? If he would have taken the Quran and made a public announcement of the things that he didn't agree with the Quran, I would be fine with it. He has the right to have opinions about my religion and any other religion for a fact. But the fact that he not only burnt the Quran, he stomped on the Quran, he put bacon on the Quran, that is a clear-cut example of a hate crime. So if you want to speak out, don't do it in a negligent way. And don't try to actively trigger people. If you want to speak out, speak out, fine, it's a free country, but do it in a respectful way. Miranda, these acts have sparked a pretty extraordinary backlash, not just within Sweden, but all over the world. Tell me about that. Yeah, we've seen the Organisation of Islamic Cooperation, which represents 57 countries, strongly condemn the burnings and they've called for the UN to intervene. The United Nations Human Rights Council is holding an urgent meeting on the burning of a Quran, which took place in Sweden last month. The meeting was requested by Pakistan. Swedish ambassadors have been called in around the world for rebukes and warnings and Sweden's embassy in Baghdad was stormed in July. 
and Sweden's facing increased security threats, according to the government. Sweden's external borders are getting extra scrutiny as the government approves strengthened police powers to conduct controls aiming to keep out anyone who may seek revenge on Sweden for the repeated torchings of Islam's holiest text. And then there's the issue of NATO, which Sweden is still waiting for the approval of Turkey and Hungary. It's had an effect on on their NATO application. Yeah. Well, potentially. So Turkey did recently say that they would approve it, but also President Erdogan has talked about how if the Quran burnings continue, he won't be approving Sweden's NATO application. If you really do respect rights and freedoms, first you need to respect the Turkish Republic and Muslims' religious beliefs. If you do not show that respect, I am sorry, you will not see any support from us on NATO. Meanwhile, tensions with Russia increase and Sweden, I guess, feels very vulnerable with the war in Ukraine. It's incredible that the kind of obnoxious acts of a few protesters can have the impact of holding up Sweden's accession to NATO, that the diplomatic impact can be just so massive. But Swedish authorities are also concerned about potential security implications from these Quran burnings. Tell me about those worries. So inside Sweden, the government have said that the uh, national security threat has increased as a result of the burnings. So far, rather than changing the freedom of expression laws that enable this to happen, they have increased border security for people coming into Sweden and police have been given greater power, which sounds like it could have broader societal consequences. What has Sweden's Prime Minister Ulf Christensen said in response to these acts that are impacting his own society, his country's diplomatic efforts and its international relations? Well, he seems to be very concerned. I was at a press conference last week, the day after the burning outside Parliament, where he stood up in front of a sea of EU and Swedish flags, and he accused outsiders of exploiting the country's freedom of expression laws and using them Mm. as a stage for spreading hateful messages and dragging Sweden into international conflicts. It sounds like he's casting Sweden as a sort of passive victim, like the country is being exploited, like its commitment to free speech is being exploited. But if that's true, who does he think is doing the exploiting? He vaguely alluded to it being potentially the work of Russia. Really? He thinks the Russian government is involved? Well, he said that there are actors who wish us harm in different ways who are spreading false images of Sweden that are dangerous. Hmm. I put this to um, a spokesperson for Christesson afterwards who declined to specify the identity of those posing a threat to the country. But he confirmed uh, that Russia is one of several actors trying to influence Sweden through disinformation. And what do we think is the Russian role in this? What are they doing? I put that question to Sweden's Psychological Defence Agency, a Cold War era body that's been brought back to fight foreign disinformation. Great name. Yeah. And they pointed to a million posts that they found, some of which have come from state-supported media channels like RT and Sputnik, who they say are spreading misinformation 
about Sweden and the Quran burnings through articles written in Arabic so that they can be read broadly kind of around the world. Interesting. So these Russian state media outlets are giving this issue perhaps disproportionate coverage, trying to push the idea in the Arab and Muslim world that Sweden is not a friend of Islam, which comes at a particularly sensitive time because Sweden, eyeing off Russia, is trying to become a member of NATO. Yes. And I mean, I also spoke to an expert who follows Russian disinformation and she said, the thing is, there isn't actually that much lying in what Russia is saying about Sweden when it comes to Quran burnings, because actually the facts are fairly accurate, but it's the framing and the spreading and the amplification of them that give it its power. Coming up, why Sweden's government thinks burning the Quran is awful, but isn't ready to make it illegal yet. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Today in Focus is supported by better help. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus. Iman, you were telling us that you think burning the Quran isn't free speech, it's a hate crime. Is that your message to the Swedish government, that they should just call this act what it is, in your view, and ban it? Yes, exactly. Make it illegal, it just causes a lot of problems, unnecessary problems. So I think that they should 
ban it totally. And if you want to, to express your feelings, fine. Because as my father, Mohammed Omer, always says, is you have to accept and respect other people's opinions. And the first word was respect. So as long as they do it in a respectful way, fine. But they should ban the Quran burnings totally, yes. And how do you think the Swedish government should handle the bigger principles at stake here? Because on the one hand, they don't approve of people burning the Quran, but on the other, they have these laws that permit freedom of expression, this important right of Swedes to say what they want and express themselves as they wish. These are two really important principles in collision here. What do you think the way through it is? Well, as I mentioned before, there is a very thin line between freedom of expression and incitement against a group of people. And when I read the law, it said that freedom of expression, there are exceptions. The majority of the Swedish people wants to ban the Quran burnings. However, the parliament is not willing to do anything, it seems. So my question is, what is the parliament's view on democracy? No matter how humiliating it is, the fact of the matter is the world can gather together and burn every single Quran on the face of earth. But the meaning of the Quran in our hearts is something that nobody can take away from us. Hmm. So do you think then that if protesters like Salwan Momika are just trying to get attention, to provoke people, there is the option to just ignore him and to deny him that attention? Of course, he's trying to trigger a reaction from the Muslim community. And to be honest, I don't think he's a sane man. I honestly just feel sorry for him. However, I don't think the problem lies with him. The problem is with the Swedish parliament. Sweden used to be a very peaceful country, but now the Pandora's box has already been opened. So now it's time for Sweden to pick up the broken pieces, to be honest, and take responsibility. Miranda, Swedes have a reputation around the world for being pretty liberal, pretty tolerant people. Where do they fall on this question of whether it should be legal to desecrate a holy book in public? I think largely sentiment is that people do not want Quran burnings to take place. I think polls have shown that people support it being banned. But I mean, the the prime minister has said he won't. He said that it would be potentially public order laws, which would be altered to give police the power to intervene if it affects national security. We very firmly uh, stand up for for the values of Sweden, but also firmly uh, oppose those who are simply trying to be offensive and it can be lawful, but still awful. We try to promote a respectful tone between countries and peoples and uh, think that uh, that's a a good way of of getting forward. What have these burnings and the huge backlash that they've sparked meant for Sweden's image on the world stage? Well, it has been a historically neutral country, but obviously um, in applying to join NATO, that is no longer the case. And last September, it voted in a, a minority coalition that has support of the far right, the Sweden Democrats. They were the second biggest party voted for in Sweden. And then alongside that, 
you've got the Quran burnings, which not only have had a huge impact on how people feel inside Sweden, but also across the world and are being seen as signs of huge Islamophobia. Mm. So I think this image of Sweden that traditionally, certainly Britain likes to think of as, you know, incredibly neutral um, and welcoming and progressive. It's not to say that it's not true in some respects, but it's also changed substantially in, in the last couple of years. This is a really surprising story in some ways, because it starts with these two unlikely actors, men of Iraqi origins, deciding to burn the Quran and... In doing so, they've managed to strain Swedish relations with the Muslim world, make its accession into NATO more difficult, given Russia an opportunity to cause trouble, even led to the Swedish embassy in Baghdad being burned down. And on top of that, Sweden's ability to say, we condemn this and all anti-Muslim acts, is undermined by the fact that the government is being held up by a far-right party who many believe is Islamophobic. It really gives you a sense of how delicate and complicated Sweden's place is in the world right now. Far more complicated, perhaps, than it's been in decades. Yeah, definitely. It's such a compounding of issues that just seem to be accelerating and uh, gaining momentum and power and how that will end up when it comes to both Sweden's identity as a nation, of how its citizens feel, of how it looks globally, of its security, of whether it will be able to get the protection of NATO. It's all at stake. Miranda, thank you so much. Thank you. That was Miranda Bryant, The Guardian's Nordic correspondent. Her coverage of this and all things Scandi and Nordic you can find at theguardian.com. Thank you also to Iman Omer for sharing her thoughts. And that is it for today. This episode was produced by Eli Block and Courtney Youssef. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. And we'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.